grab your Bibles and uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, if you need a Bible, there should be a hardback black one somewhere there in the chairs around you. Uh, if you're online with us, glad you're here. We had a few technical difficulties this morning with Facebook, but hopefully you got back on with us. And uh, we'd love for you to grab a copy of God's Word and follow along as well. And um, so today we're going to continue on in this series that we started a couple weeks ago called Fan the Flame. And the whole purpose, the whole focus here for us and for Paul and Timothy is this idea that we have been given a gift by the Lord of faith and a gift of, of grace and a gift of just this Holy Spirit and we need to be actively pursuing after Him to fan into flame these great gifts that God has given us. And uh, we want to be about that here at Harvest. We want to be about being uh, intentional about following Christ and growing in all those things. And so we're going to get another great challenge today from Paul in that regard, talking about the mission of God. So, um, this past year, uh, Courtney and I, we were blessed to get to take our girls uh, to Walt Disney World for the first time. And uh, we, we, we've been saving for a couple years and planning and preparing. Like, we knew this was probably a, a one-and-done thing for our family. And so, we went all in and just got everything. We had a great long week there. We got to the very end, the last day, we were at Epcot. We spent the whole day doing all the stuff. We rode almost every ride in every show in every park. I mean, we did all of it. We had one ride left at Epcot. There was one ride. And so we go to this ride, and it's called Mission Space. I don't know if anybody knows about this ride or not, if you're familiar with this, but I didn't really know much about it. I just knew it was the last one on the list. And so it was time to do it, right? And so we go up, and you get in line, and there's two options. You can either choose uh, Mission Earth or Mission Mars, now, if I'm going to go on a space mission, I ain't trying to go to Earth, right? Like, I'm on Earth all the time. Earth is boring. Like, I've, got, I've seen that. Like, we're definitely going to Mars. Are you with me on that, right? So we get in line for Mission Mars, and we're going. And, and evidently, what I didn't know was um, Mission Mars is the much more intense version of the two options. And so we're walking through line, heading to this thing, and there's, like, all these, like, signs and videos that are saying, you know, this ride may be too intense for some riders, and if you would like to opt out, please see one of our cast members. And, and so Cordy's like, we're seeing all the time, she's like, we haven't seen those anywhere else, so like maybe this is something different. She's like, maybe, we, are you sure we can handle this? I'm like, oh no, we got this. The girl's been doing great all week, no problem. So we get to the end, and they show us like one last video before we're going to get onto this ride, and kind of tells you what this space shuttle simulation is going to be like. And then it says this at the end. It says, it gives you one more chance to get out, too. It's like, hey, by the way, if you don't want to do this, you can still opt out. And I said, no, we got this. And, and then it says this at the, at the very end. It says, are you ready for your mission? We were not ready <laughs> for that mission. Let me just tell you, okay? They strap us in, and these things come super tight, and they start spinning you around. It's like, like you're experiencing so many Gs. Like, I, I've never been on a space shuttle but if it's more intense than that, I cannot even imagine, right? Like it was, we all got off that ride and we were all just sick, sick after that. Um, not my best dad decision of the week, let me just tell you, okay? Um, but I, it gave me a, 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 an idea this week of like, I think that's how a lot of Christians feel when they first step into the mission, like, they get saved, they experience the grace of God, like, God floods their life, and man, they get the Holy Spirit, and they are psyched, and they are ready, like, yes, let's go. And they think they're ready for the mission, and they step into it, and the suffering, and the struggle, and the pain, and the discipline just hits them, and they're like, whoa, 
I, I, I was not ready for that. And so Paul here today, he's going to talk to us about that. He's going to challenge Timothy and challenge us that we need to prepare. Right? This, this Christian life, this mission that God has us on, it's not just something you just step into casually. That we need to prepare, we need to be ready with boldness and endurance for the mission of God. And so here's the big question I kind of put over the text for you this morning. Are you a mission-ready disciple? Are you a mission-ready disciple? So, with that in your head, let's look at the scriptures here. Look at verse 1, chapter 2, 2 Timothy. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So the first thing I want to look at today, first point in the message is this. Mission-ready disciples are grace-filled disciples. Missionary disciples are grace-filled disciples. It starts with grace. Right here he says, my child, be strengthened. Now, what's interesting there about that word strengthened in the original text, in the original language, it's in what we call the divine passive voice, which I know probably doesn't mean a whole lot to, to most of you, but what that's saying is basically that this is God speaking. This is God working here in the strengthening. When, when Paul is here, he's talking about being strengthened by none other than God himself. And I did a little more research on it, and, and in fact, that, that Greek word there that he uses for be strengthened is in the same family as the Greek word that he used earlier when he was talking about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's tying these ideas together that we need to be strengthened by God through the Holy Spirit, and this word only shows up seven times in the rest of the New Testament, and in every one of those instances, it is God is the one doing the strengthening. And so he's very clearly saying to Timothy, like, listen, be strengthened by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, and it's also in the present tense, which means that he considers it to be an ongoing action. So he's not like, be strengthened one time and then you're good. But be continually strengthened. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's exactly what Timothy is going to need in order to fulfill the rest of the commands that Paul is getting ready to give him. That's what every one of us needs if we're going to continue to walk on mission and follow the Lord. Is to be continually strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, just to be clear, he's not saying, hey, Paul, man up. You know, pull your bootstraps up, white knuckle it, get it done. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying you need to be strong for the mission, but that strength isn't coming from you. It's coming from the Lord. And then he gives more detail. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul uses that word grace a lot in his letters. He, he, he talks a lot about God's grace. And in one of his other letters, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, he says this. He says, by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And so what we understand about grace is this, that grace is the starting point for all disciples. For all discipleship. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you start with his grace. That's what strengthens us. That's what changes us. And we all need that. Because we all, in our natural state, are sinners. We're born with sinful hearts, and we have sinful, rebellious minds that want to, to, to disregard God and disregard his word and do it our own way and challenge this and challenge that. And in the process, we sin against a holy and perfect God. And that sin then separates us from the relationship that we were supposed to have. The relationship that we were supposed to have with our Creator is now broken by our sin, and we can't fix it. And so God, in His grace, in His free gift, in His love for us, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then to go to the cross and die a sinner's death. To die in our place for our sin on the cross. And he says, everyone who believes in me, I will take the debt that you owe. I will take the, the, sin, that, the sin that you should be paying for. I'll pay for that. I'll die in your place. And he went into the grave. And three days later, he rose back to life. Proving that he was God and proving that he had the power to offer to us grace, forgiveness, restoration with God. If we'll turn from our sin and believe in Jesus Christ. Have you done that today? Have you started the discipleship journey with God by first receiving the grace of God? Putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Because that's where it starts. Paul says be strengthened by the grace of God. In Christ Jesus. It starts with the gospel. But it goes beyond that as well. Once you put your faith in Jesus, you, you still, again, it's an ongoing action. We still need God's grace every single day to strengthen us. As we continue to follow him. I think this whole section here, Paul's using a kind of a lot of like military imagery and language. And I'm thinking here about grace kind of serves like a gospel boot camp. All right? If you, if you know anything about the military, they use the whole point of military boot camp is to prepare the soldiers for battle, right? To get them ready in the right mindset, in the right physical shape, and to get them ready for the mission. And the process is they bring them in and they tear them down to nothing so they can then rebuild them with the mindset and with the, the, the heart and with the, the direction to fulfill the mission. Well, the gospel actually works a lot like that, only without the push-ups and the running and the swearing and, you know, all that stuff. But the whole point of the gospel is I have to get to a place where I die to myself. I, I have to get to this place where I confess that I can't do it on my own. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. And the gospel tears down all my pride and all my self-righteousness and all the things that I think I can do on my own and convinces me that I can't. I need Jesus. I need his strength. I need his power. And the gospel breaks all that down in our hearts so that God can rebuild us in the image of his son. 
And that's why Paul says here, be strengthened by the grace that we have in Christ. Be completely dependent on his power, his strength. That's the only way that you'll be ready for the mission. So to be a mission-ready disciple, I must be grace-filled. I must be grace-filled. All right, second thing, let's look now at verse 2. It says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's a pretty famous verse, like a pretty well-known verse in the church and Christian circles. But here's what I think Paul's really pressing on here. Missionary disciples are multiplying disciples. Mission-ready disciples, they don't just get it for them. It's not just about me and my walk with Christ. It's about multiplying more and more and more disciples of Christ. Look what he says here. He says, what you have heard from me. Now, if you were here last week or if you read 2 Timothy, you know, in the previous section, Paul talked about, he told Timothy, listen, follow the pattern of the sound words that I've given you, the sound teaching, right? Guard the good deposit." So all of that sound teaching and stuff that, that Paul has invested into Timothy, that's what he's talking about here. You've heard from me. Right? I, I've given you this teaching. I've entrusted this to you. Because Paul knew he could only go so far. Listen, Paul was like, Paul was like gospel superstar. Right? Like, I mean, like, he probably did more for the early church than any other human being outside of Jesus Christ. But he was still only one man with one lifetime. He couldn't reach everyone. He knew that. And so he knew if he was going to keep the gospel going, he had to multiply himself into other men and women. Into Timothy. Into others. We already know from the previous chapter as well that there are some that Paul tried to multiply himself into that didn't work out. right? Like They, they didn't stick around. They didn't keep going. They didn't persevere. But some did. And Paul didn't stop continuing to multiply himself and to teach others just because some people defected. He kept teaching others like Timothy. The gospel and the mission was carried on past Paul's life because he multiplied himself. So he says, what, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and so that's pointing to the fact that it wasn't just Timothy, right? There were other people that Paul had taught as well. There were many disciples that he invested in. If you read through his letters in the New Testament, you see guys named like Luke and Silas and Titus and Lucius and Jason, Sosipater, and then it says many other Jews, fellow Jews and Gentiles. Like Paul was investing in all these people. And here he's reminding Timothy, he's like, listen, me, Paul, I received the gospel from Jesus. Like, I didn't get it from any other man. He tells us that in Galatians chapter 1, right? Like, it can't, I got it straight from Christ. But I taught it to you, and I taught it to them. And we need to keep passing this on to others in multiplying gospel ministry. He says, what you've heard from me in the presence of any witnesses, here's the, here's the instruction. Entrust to faithful men. He's like, Timothy, just like I couldn't reach everyone, guess what? <laughs> you, you can't reach everyone either. You, you can't disciple everyone around you. You have to, to be selective. You have to look. You have to choose the faithful men. Because you can't reach everyone. Jesus did this, right? 
Like in the Gospels, we see that Jesus had these giant crowds following him. But how many guys did he actually invest in? How many guys did he actually teach and pour himself into day after day? Twelve faithful, well, eleven faithful men when it all shook out. But he started with twelve, right? So, but he chose the faithful men to pour himself into. Paul did the same thing. He chose the faithful men and women to pour himself into. Faithful here just means reliable. It means that they're going to keep, they're going to be reliable to keep the sound teaching. They're going to guard it. They're not going to try to add to it. They're not going to take away from it. They're not going to try to modify it to fit their agenda. And this is the primary qualification that Paul gives for multiplying disciples. That they would be faithful. That they would guard the good deposit. That they're not men or women that are they're motivated by their own ambitions, such as greed or malice or fear or anger or power or pride. All throughout the years of the church, including today, right now in our own culture, the false teachers and the false preachers that we see around us, this is exactly where they fail. They're not faithful to God's word. They twist it and they turn it and they tweak it for their own agendas, for their own ambitions, for their own sinful desires. Paul says, choose the faithful men and women. He says, and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's the second qualification. So the first one is faithful. The second one is able to teach or apt to teach. Now, sometimes I think this, this is where people get intimidated by this command, like, well, I'm not a teacher, Micah. Like, I can't, I can't do what you do. I can't get up there on a stage like that. Like, I would cry all night if I thought I had to get up and talk in front of people. This teaching here doesn't have to be preaching. It doesn't have to be large group. Can you teach one other person the gospel? Can you teach two other people? Can you teach a small group? Can you teach some of our students in student ministry? They need to hear the gospel. Can you teach some of our kids in kid ministry? Can you teach anyone? It, it, it can go up to preaching. It can go up to large you know, movements of teaching. That's great. We love that. But it's not always that. The goal here is to multiply another person who can then multiply themselves to another person. Even if that's one, that's a win. Right? That's multiplying disciples. Or what I would say here is Paul's really pressing on, he wants us to multiply multipliers. Right? Those who can do what we do. He lays out here for Timothy four generations of discipleship. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, faithful men to teach others also. It's supposed to be this ongoing cycle that keeps going generation after generation after generation. Each one multiplying out wider and wider. Listen, here's the reality, friends. For those of you in here that are Christians today, those of you who are followers of Christ, whether it's been for a year or 10 years or 30 years, there are people in your life right now that you can reach that you can teach, that you can touch, that I never can. I don't know them. 
I won't ever have a relationship with them. Our paths won't ever cross. But you know them. You could teach them. And if you would teach them, if you would multiply yourself and you would lead them to the gospel, guess what? There's people that they know that you'll never be able to reach. And then they can reach them. And this is how it works. This is the only reason the church still exists today, 2,000 years after Paul and Timothy, is because they were faithful to make disciples who made disciples who made disciples, and it just kept multiplying through the generations. It's the only reason we get to sit here today and talk about Jesus. Because they were faithful to multiply multipliers. The real question, I think, is this. Where will the church of Christ be in another 2,000 years? That question completely depends on Christians like you and me multiplying multipliers. If it's going to keep going, it requires the church today, right here, right now, not Paul and Timothy, not back then, not the saints of old, it requires us to be multiplying multipliers. To be giving the gospel to the next generation and teaching others also. You know, this right here, this is the whole goal of our small group ministry here at Harvest. And, and, and you hear us talk about small groups a lot because we believe this is the purpose of the church. Listen, I love Sunday mornings. This, this is my favorite day of the week Every week, get here, get with the people of God, sing praises, preach the word. I believe that God's word changes lives, that when the Holy Spirit implies it to your heart, that something changes in you. I believe that. But this is not where disciples get made. This is where you get fed the word so that you can then go and meet with other Christians and push on one another and make disciples together. It happens in small groups. Small groups is the real work of the church. Where we're passing on God's truth to one another, where we're walking together, where we're taking it to others. This is how I was discipled. This is how many of you were discipled because some faithful man, some faithful woman took time to pour into your life and to teach you the things of God. So here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. Right here, right now at Harvest, we need more faithful men and faithful women who are willing to teach others also. And I'm not saying like hypothetically, like one day it would be good to have that, like in a couple months. Just this last week, the elders were discussing it, and we had to formally close our small groups and start a wait list. Because they're no longer small groups. <laughs> they're big groups. And I love that. I love that we have so many people coming to our church who are hungry for the word and hungry to grow and want to be discipled and they're, they're willing to jump in. Man, I love that. But listen, that only works if we have faithful men and women who are willing to step up and commit themselves to teach others also so the groups can keep multiplying more and more and more disciples. We say that a good small group leader, a good small group apprentice has to be fat. 
And you're like, I just did a New Year's resolution to try to change that, Mike. I don't want, okay, fat means this. For us, fat means this. Faithful, available, teachable. Are they faithful to the word of God? That's the first thing Paul says, right? Faithful men. Are they faithful to God's word? Are they available? Are they willing to commit time and energy to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to pour themselves into others, to teach others? Are they willing to create a priority in their life to make disciples above all the other stuff that is begging you for your time and your energy? All the good stuff. It's not necessarily bad stuff, but it's not the primary. It's not what the Bible puts at the top of the list. Are they faithful? Are they available? And are they teachable? Are they willing to learn and grow and be discipled by others and then turn around and pass that teaching on to the next person, to the next group? We need more small group apprentices and leaders right now. Like right now. And there are some of you here today who you have the faithfulness, you have the ability, you have the competence. We need you to step up and commit to teach others also. So God can continue to do a great work here at Harvest in making disciples. Another question I thought about was, who are the faithful men and women in your life that you can be teaching right now so they can teach others also? Some of you are already small group leaders and you're looking for those people. Some of you are parents, like, are you doing that with your kids? Some of you are employers. Are you looking at your employees as like, man, there are some people here that I could be teaching. I could be helping them grow. Like, who are we looking for around us that God says, these are the people who would be faithful to me if you'll just invest in them? To be mission-ready disciples, to be a mission-ready disciple, I must be a multiplier. This isn't just for the pastor or the staff or, you know, those super saints in the church. Every follower of Jesus Christ is called to be a multiplier. To be faithful to God's word and start teaching others what it means to follow Jesus. Grace-filled, multiplier. Third thing, look at verse 3. It says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So now he's going to use this, this illustration, this picture of a soldier to point out to us what it means to be a disciplined disciple. That's point number three. Missionary disciples are disciplined disciples. He's actually going to use three different pictures you're going to see, but it all kind of rolls back into this idea of the soldier of Jesus Christ. He says here, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul actually uses military language a lot in his letters, if you've read his other letters. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about a show that we watch sometimes called SEAL Team, and it, they have this, this military unit, and they, they have this saying that they say all the time. The only easy day was yesterday. That's the mindset of a good soldier. They're signing up to do the hard thing. They're not signing up thinking it's going to be easy, right? They're signing up 
for suffering. They're signing up for pain. They're signing up for struggle because they believe that the mission is worth it. That's what Paul's talking about here. That if we're going to be good soldiers of Christ Jesus, it's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some discipline to endure some hard stuff, to endure some suffering, to endure some pain in order to fulfill the mission. We have to be disciplined. So he gives us three characteristics here of a disciplined disciple with these three pictures. Okay? So the first one is focused. A disciplined disciple is focused. He says that a soldier does not get entangled in civilian pursuits. All right? What he's talking about there is a good soldier stays on mission. They don't get distracted by the world around him and all the other stuff going on. They don't get caught off onto other tangents. They stay focused on the mission. So for us as Christians, that doesn't mean that we withdraw from the world. Or it doesn't mean that we completely pull out because God gave us this earth as our home. We're supposed to have dominion over the earth. We're supposed to enjoy it as our home. In fact, in his first letter to Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 4, he wrote this. He said, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So he's like, listen, man, live in the world. Live and enjoy what God has given us. Like, be present in the creation and in the, and in the people and in the, the world that God has created for us. But then later on in that same letter, chapter 6, verse 17, he says this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who, here it is, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Everything that God gives us in this world, we get to enjoy because it's from Him. But here's the difference. We have to ask ourselves, is this thing in my life, whatever it is for you, is it an enjoyment or is it an entanglement? Paul's drawing a line here. Right? God's given us all these things to enjoy, but don't let it become an entanglement. Don't get entangled in what he calls civilian pursuits here. See, entanglements are things that are otherwise innocent pursuits. Right? They're, they're, they might even be good things or, or, or quality things, but when they start to interfere with my focus on the mission, they become entanglements. These could be good, fine, important things, like your family, your work, sports, relationships, entertainment, education, wealth. None of those things are bad things. Those can all be great gifts from God that we get to enjoy. But when they start to take our focus off the mission, they become entanglements. And God says, that's not what we want. So how do we know? This is the hard part, right? How do I know if this thing that I enjoy, this pursuit of this worldly pursuit that I enjoy doing, how do I know when it becomes an entanglement in my life? I'm going to give you three questions that can help just kind of diagnose where your heart is at. Because it's really a heart issue. Where's my heart at in regards to this pursuit? Three things. Number one, does the pursuit get more of you than God's mission? Does this thing, whatever it is, 
Does it get more of your time? Does it get more of your energy? Does it get more of your thoughts? Does it get more of your money? Does it get more of you than God does? If so, it's probably an entanglement. Second question. Are you using the pursuit, whatever it is, are you using the pursuit you enjoy to advance God's mission or avoid it? Is it something that you do to escape from the God stuff? Like this is my break from God and I can go over here and I can do this thing and it's fun and I enjoy it. And then when I'm done with that, then I go back to doing the God stuff. Or is it an opportunity for you to enjoy something that God's given you while also using it to further the mission of God? Using it to be an opportunity to teach others and and share the gospel and, and lead out in what it means to follow Christ in the midst of that pursuit. And then number three. This one might be the hardest. When there are conflicts with the pursuit, how often do the things of God win? Inevitably, if there's some other activity or some other thing that we're focused on and we're a part of, eventually there's going to be some time where there's a, a scheduling conflict or some type of conflict right, like where I, I can choose either this or this. When those conflicts come, because they will come, how often do the things of God win? How often, when your day gets so busy and there's so many things you got to do, How many times do you put something else off in order to keep your personal time with God versus, oh, I don't have time for the Bible today. I'll catch up tomorrow. How many times when you're supposed to have that regular connection time with your spouse, date night or whatever it might be, that that gets junked because something else is pressed into the schedule? Or discipleship time with your kids? sitting around the dinner table or at bed before night, 30 minutes that you have to hear their heart and talk to them. And we just ball practice or this play or this work activity. Just I had too much going on today. We just didn't get to it. How about Sunday worship? What priority is this time for you? Gathering with the people of God. Hearing from the Lord in His Word, worshiping Him for who He is. We're called to this. How, how many times do we allow this to get backburnered because something else, some other pursuit, feels more important? Small group time. Whatever your small group night is. How many times is another activity, or man, well, somebody called me. I'm going to really step on some toes here. Somebody call, I got some free Cardinals tickets. Sorry, I can't come to small group tonight. Okay. Once, that's, yeah, okay. You know. Once a month? Really? How often do the things of God win when there's a conflict? Friends, I'm not trying to, like, guilt trip you this morning. I just want you to understand Life is short. Our time here is limited. 
we only get so many Sundays. We only get so many opportunities to be about the mission of God and the things of God and pouring into people. We have to make that a priority if we're going to make a difference for the kingdom. Are you focused on the mission? So the first thing he says, good soldier of Jesus Christ is focused. Second thing is obedient. Second characteristic is obedient. He now changes the metaphor and he goes to an athlete. He says an athlete has to compete according to the rules. And the backdrop for this statement then would have been like the Olympic Games of that time period, right? They would always hold these big games uh, in that area and, and all these people would come and compete. But there was a rule that you had to complete this very like strenuous 10-month training program to even get into the games, right? They wanted to keep it at a high level of competition. So you had to complete, compete this, or complete this training program. If you didn't complete it, you didn't get in. And then once you were in the event, you had to compete according to the rules if you wanted any chance of being able to win. No rules, no wreath, which was the crown that they would give them, right? Like, like you, had to, you had to compete, you had to obey. And the idea Paul's getting at here is, listen, the ends winning, the ends don't necessarily justify the means, we are not, church, listen to me, we are not called to make disciples at any cost. Our job here is not just to fill seats or to drive numbers. Our job here is to make quality disciples with genuine heart change who are kingdom citizens, who are pursuing after Christ with all that they have. We have to do it according to to God's way. There is a discipleship process that God has laid out, and there are no shortcuts for it. There's no shortcuts to growing disciples of Jesus Christ. We have to rely on grace. We have to stick to God's truth and be faithful. And we have to multiply by teaching others also. That's the process. That's the rules. That's what God has called us to do. We have to be obedient to that if we're going to be good soldiers on mission. There is no easy way to mission success. It's God's way according to God's word. That's it. Focused, obedience. The third characteristic is perseverant. Perseverant. Here he uses a picture of a hard-working farmer. Now, most of us around here in, you know, St. Louis, we ain't farmers, right? Like, that's, that's kind of outside of our, our zone. But I, I grew up in a rural part of Missouri, and I, I saw a lot of farming. And, and I do know this. Farmers have to work the full season if they're going to see a harvest, right? Like, it's not just enough for them to till the ground or just plant the seed and then let, leave it alone and walk away. That's not going to work. They have to fertilize, they have to water, they have to weed, they have to tend the crops all the way to the end if they want to see a harvest, if they want to see the fruits of their labor. Simply having good soil or good seed is not enough. It requires ongoing perseverance in the work. The same thing is true in the fields of God, in the harvest 
of the gospel. You know, Jesus, right before he left this earth, he gave his disciples a commandment that we now call the Great Commission. And that's the foundation of our mission as a church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I'm sorry, 19 and 20 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And catch this last part. This is so important. Sometimes we leave this part off. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you catch that? In other words, keep working till I get back. The mission's not over until the end of the age. Keep going. Keep persevering. Keep making disciples. But he also blesses us with this promise, right, that he's going to be with us, that he's going to give us the power to do this. The Holy Spirit's going to help us, which Paul's already told us in his letter. But even though the Holy Spirit here is here to help us and work through us, we still have to work all the way to the end. We have to persevere if we're going to make disciples. Disciplined disciples are focused on the mission. They're obedient to the commander. And they're perseverant to the end. That's what Paul's calling us to. And that sounds really heavy, but then you get to see he sprinkles in He sprinkles in the two commands all these great promises. Look at this. He says, if we do this, we will please our commander, Jesus Christ. Is there any greater goal for us as Christians than to please the one who gave everything for us? says you will please your commander and you will receive from him a crown. You will receive a reward. You will receive the, the fruit due, your efforts. As the good farmer, you will get to experience the harvest with him. These are the promises for, that await the mission-ready disciples of Jesus Christ, the ones who will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And then Paul concludes with this statement. He says, think over what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding. I love that because he reminds us one more time, listen, this mission is a partnership. Don't, do, don't try to do it on your own. This isn't, this isn't a lone mission, right? This is you partnering together with other believers and with Jesus Christ to fulfill the mission in his heart and his power. And if we partner with him, he guarantees that we will see a harvest if we are faithful. That's what we want. We want a, a harvest of souls for Christ that is growing wider and wider and deeper and deeper. Mission To be a missionary disciple, I must be disciplined. I must be willing to stay focused and to do the work of multiplying disciples. So let me ask you again. Are you a mission-ready disciple? Have you been changed by and filled with the grace of God to empower you for the mission? 
Have you given your life to Christ? Have you followed him in faith? And has he filled you with his grace? If not, man, today can be your day. Like right here, right now. Turn from your sin and receive the free gift of salvation and let his grace change you. That's the start of the mission. That's the start of discipleship. And if you have that, are you, are you learning? Are you growing from faithful men and faithful women that are pouring into your life? And then are you willing to turn around and multiply that teaching to others? I know God has prepared and equipped and called some of you to step up and start teaching others also. And now is the time. Are you disciplined to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ? To be on mission. To see the kingdom grow and grow until he returns. Harvest, this is why we're here. I, I don't know how long you've been with us. Some of you have been with us from the very beginning, and you've heard me say this a hundred times. Some of you, this might be your first Sunday, or you're just here the last couple of months, and you need to know this walking in. This is what we're about. Making disciples that make disciples that are on mission following Jesus with all we got. So right now, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray that for you. I'm going to pray that for me. I'm going to pray that for this church. And I hope that you'll join me in that prayer. I hope that the Holy Spirit will be prompting you to whatever your position, whatever your role is right now, he'll be prompting you for that next step in making disciples. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just bow before you this morning. We thank you, God, for this time to be together, to worship, God. We're, we're thankful that we can even do this this morning. But there are so many right now in our community that are sick and struggling that can't even be here today. But man, we're here and we're here with you and you're meeting with us and your Holy Spirit is, is filling us once again, Lord. And I pray that you would just press us and challenge us this morning to not waste the power that you give us, to not waste the call that you put on our lives, to not waste the opportunity to serve you and your kingdom. Lord, thank you for choosing us. Thank you for offering us grace. I pray if there's anyone here that has not yet put their faith in you and received that free gift, Lord, that they will do it today. Repent. Repent of their sins and be saved by you. Lord, we want to see a harvest. We want to see the kingdom grow. We want to see multipliers of disciples. Lord, raise up faithful men and faithful women who will discipline themselves for your glory. Lord, make us a church of mission-ready disciples. It's all about you. All this in Christ's name.